Have you noticed a change in the price of the pup? A steep incline in the cost of gas has drivers across the country doing a double take. And now there's concern about whether the prices are so high they could have an effect on the market in a bad way. But just how good or bad does the short-term future of the market look? And why is the price of gas so high? We try to answer those questions today on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Welcome to Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. We upload a brand new podcast every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you have a question you want us to answer here on the podcast, just send an email to podcast at Mach1FG.com. If you want to learn more about your financial future, you can schedule a free consultation with any of our advisors here at Mach1 with absolutely no obligation. Just head to Mach1FG.com for more information. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment. Today we are on episode number 93 and we're talking about what everyone has been talking about the last week or two, the price at the pump. Everybody's feeling it, everybody's seeing it, so we thought we'd talk about it because it's, it's been a hot topic here at the office for sure. So it costs significantly more today to fill up your vehicle than it did just a couple weeks ago. In fact, it's gotten so high it's affecting how people spend their money, discretionary income and what people are spending their money on. So take a quick listen to this study done by AAA on what price point causes drivers to yeah. start changing their spending habits. We've done a couple surveys. Back in March of 2018, we asked drivers what the pain point was for the price of gasoline. 40% said $3 a gallon. We just revisited that survey last week. And now uh, what was it? 60% of drivers are saying that $4 a gallon is the pain point. And they've already made that uh, that change, you know, that adjustment, because we've blown through that price. And uh, 75% of drivers said $5 a gallon is the pain point. We've done a couple surveys. Back in March of 2018, we asked drivers what the pain point was for the price of gasoline. 40% said $3 a gallon. We just revisited that survey last week. And now uh, what was it, 60% of drivers are saying that $4 a gallon is the pain point. And they've already made that uh, that change, you know, that adjustment, because we've blown through that price. And uh, 75% of drivers said $5 a gallon is the pain point. So that that gives you an idea of you know that survey of what different price points people start looking at things differently in different aspects of their life. Eli, you were just showing us a, a screenshot. It was it was so painful. You actually took a picture, mm-hmm. but it cost you how much to fill up your truck? It was one hundred and fourteen dollars. One hundred and fourteen bucks. Right. I mean, that, you start to feel that. Right? That's right. I mean, that's. Impactful. I mean, especially uh, especially people who are like middle below middle class type income. You might say. I mean, they're going to feel it. Uh, really soon right yeah absolutely. and so that that pain point even though you know you've got the this uh the soundbite that we just covered that said you know 30 percent said it's three dollars or 75 percent said it's five dollars i mean the real pain point is the point at which it starts affecting the rest of your spending habits mm-hmm. and that 
impacts the economy as a whole. Like yeah, we absolutely. About I mean, today. if you're on a fixed income and you have maybe some disposable subscriptions that you're subscribed to, your kids are in some extracurricular activities and, you know, you guess, I mean, you start re second guessing and rethinking, Hey, can we keep, you know, some of these things going or should we pull back the spending there so we can offset the price of gas? And cause typically what, what a lot of people are spending, you know, on gas is for the basics of just getting back and forth yeah, to work, going to, work. to the grocery store. Right. I mean, you obviously take trips and spend gas there, but the week to week, month to month, it's hard to say, hey, we're just going to drive less. Yeah. Right? I mean, right. It can be done, but that's difficult. That's Especially coming out of the pandemic, right? More and more companies, Walmart just is now requiring all their workers to come yeah, to work come every day. Some, yeah. um, and pretty much all the companies in Northwest Arkansas that support Walmart, they're basically following Walmart's lead and they're requiring all their employees to come back to work. So mm-hmm. you can't just say, well, you know, we're going to stop driving. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good that was good timing, right? As gas prices are going up, let's let's make demand go through the roof in Northwest Arkansas, yeah. <laughs> and that that's not just in Northwest Arkansas. Companies around that's America right. are all opening back up. Walmart, obviously, being one of the major driving forces of that, but that's, that's right. everywhere. So, David, let's touch on so a few points here. But why? Okay, gas is expensive, right? Yep. We all understand and know that. But why? Why are gas prices well, so high right now? You know, it's it's the basic laws of economics, supply and demand. We kind of talked about that. Number one, you know, the, the, the topic we were just talking about people coming out of the pandemic, going back to work, driving more. Uh, also think about, uh, just leisure travel, how everybody, you know, was afraid to travel for vacation for what, two years, I guess it was. And now you've got all this pent up demand for leisure travel. So that means more jet fuel for the air, you know, flying to your vacation destination or to your work destination. You know, some people commute via, um, uh, you know, airlines to go to their different meetings that they have. So you got the workforce coming back and you've got leisure travel coming back. That that places a much higher demand on fuel. Yeah. And so as, as demand goes up, if supply doesn't go up correspondingly. Uh, prices have to go up, right? It's just basic laws of economics. And not only is supply not going up, but we have this this Russia-Ukraine yeah. situation. And, you know, I know we've talked a lot about how, you know, we only, I think it's, we only import like 4 or 5% of our imports come from Russia. So you look at that and say, well, that shouldn't be all that impactful. But then you start looking at all of the other countries and what, how much they get from Russia. And now we're all maybe trying to go source that from somewhere else and the effect of prices. So we have an, a spike in demand and then this huge question mark around supply. Yeah, exactly. And so it, supply hasn't really necessarily been cut off yet. I mean, we've started. But there's sanction, a big question mark about but it. There's huge question marks. So and that spike. can cause fear in the market to drive oil prices up because there's concern that the supply chain specifically relative to Russia could get constricted. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take a little bit of time before we really even understand the equilibrium of where gas, gas prices should be. Because all these countries are, what you're saying, catching up with trying to figure out, okay, if we if we don't take Russian oil, where is it coming from? And so there's a lot of shifting going around in the in- energy industry. And that always will, will affect the prices. Yeah. And I was listening to a podcast the other day. I was talking about how the impact that gas prices specifically has. One, because they change daily. Right. It's not like if, hey, if the cost of cereals going up, it doesn't spike in one day. Yeah. Right. You see it and it kind of it goes up over time or right. Gas, it can it, 
literally daily and it's posted in huge numbers driving down the highway so it's like a slap <laughs> in the face yeah every, it's like it is it's in front of you everywhere where you know if you're buying eggs once a week and it's as part of a big grocery order you don't necessarily notice it costs mm-hmm. a dollar more yeah but gas prices you it's notice like immediately big, it's every, everywhere in front of you always right numbers yeah Exactly. So, so we've got supply and demand. We've got the Russia-Ukraine big question mark there on oil supply. Um, I want to talk about supply just for a yeah. little bit more before we shift gears. Um, another thing affecting the supply is the whole shutdown of the Keystone Pipeline. Now, that while that doesn't really affect necessarily production, it does affect the supply, right? Because you you can't get that that um, crude oil. Uh, transported as safely or quickly or as efficiently so that's negatively impacting it um the other thing is and the the biden administration keeps talking about how you know all these oil companies they have plenty of they have plenty of leases to uh drill on with existing leases and uh they try to make it seem as though it's really the oil company's fault right they they know that they got to pin the blame somewhere because to your point matt Gas prices are always in front of you everywhere, right. right? Like you were just saying. So it's a significant political risk for the party in power to try to either figure out how to make these go down, and if they can't make them go down, to figure out how to blame pin the blame on somebody else or something else. So right now you see the Biden administration trying to pin the blame on the whole Russia thing. Uh, and as we said, we only import about 4% of our oil from there. But they're also trying to pin it on the oil companies by saying, well, they just— they need to take more advantage of the leases that they have. But that's that's really not true because why do you think that the oil companies aren't drilling on some of those existing leases? It's because they either know that the oil is too far away, it's too expensive to get to it, or there's just n- not sufficient quantities there to make it profitable to get to it. So companies have a profit motive and a profit incentive, and that's a good thing, by the way. <clears throat> um, but if there's, no, if there's no profit to be had... They're not going to go for it, and the the uh, but the Biden administration doesn't want to, uh, you know, renew or give them new leases to drill on land where they know that oil is. Well, why would that be? I have my opinions and thoughts on that. And I mean, I think it's because I actually think that they actually kind of want prices to go up. Maybe not necessarily this fast, but I think they want it to go up because I think they want to try to transition away from fossil fuels to green fuels but the problem with that is there's no infrastructure to do that you can't just get there overnight well and if, if gas prices are go up, going up then that makes it to where those oil companies when those leases were unprofitable at a certain price point per barrel now that they're at a higher price point per barrel well now there's more incentive to That's go right. out and drill so That's right yeah and and what will be interesting with it being a midterm election year is how the current administration, the Secretary of Energy, how they manage our national reserves and how they tap into those and for what reasons. And, you yeah. know, because we talked about it the other yeah. day, it's like that shouldn't be that used really should not just be. to make gas a little bit cheaper yeah. or try to make like. That's really an abuse of the whole yeah, purpose I mean, well, of the strategic like, reserve. It's really for wartime, right? Right, right? So that you don't have to depend upon an enemy or you don't have to depend or um, have the risk that the oil supply lines could get cut during time of war and then you can't fuel your ships and your airplanes and your tanks and whatnot so yeah that's an it's abuse just interesting of, going into this fall with it being election year depending on how 
out of hand gas prices get, just how they manage that. And I think they've already released some or used. Yeah, some they of have. It. They're talking about doing it a second time. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting. So so gas prices have gone up. Supply and demand. Russia Ukraine war. Keystone pipeline. Some really good yeah. points. The, on the whole, uh, sorry, uh, I keep thinking of other things I want to mention here. You know about speaking of the whole Russia Ukraine thing. You know, the Biden administration, as I said, is trying to point the blame and say, you know, high gas prices, it's Putin's fault. It's Putin's fault. It's Russia's fault. Well, part of it, I would submit, is indeed the Biden administration's fault, because what emboldened Putin? Why, why didn't why didn't Putin or why did let's put, uh, word the question differently? Why did Putin choose now to to do this? Because he's wanted Ukraine for a long time. It's been a, a goal of his since like 2000 or something like that. I mean, Wendy, he took Crimea in 2014. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, wh- why did he choose now? Well, I would submit to you it's because he saw this as an opportunity. Uh, bad actors on the world stage will always take advantage of weak leadership in the United States. So what kind of weak leadership? Well, you, you see, hopefully that doesn't uh, require a lot of explanation about what I mean by weak leadership in the United States. But uh, case in point, uh, that's kind of the glaring example is the botched Afghanistan withdrawal. It's a perfect example of what I'm talking about, about how uh, bad actors on the world stage sees, sees that and they're like, oh, the U.S. does not have its act together. If I'm going to do something, now's the time to do it because I can probably get away with it. So they do kind of own the, from my perspective, they do kind of own the whole Russia-Ukraine debacle. Yeah. No, I, yeah, it's interesting point for sure. So the let's follow up with gas prices are high, but how long, what, what do we expect moving forward? How long do we think that could last? Um, and does it get a lot worse from here? Eli, any thoughts there? Like any answer that, that you hate to hear is it depends. It's going to depend, one, on legislation that's going to be passed. Do we open up the Keystone Pipeline? Are there are oil companies able to, what the Biden administration is saying on the leases, are, is there actually profitable leases out there that we can start tapping into maybe in Alaska? And to your point earlier, you know, as gas prices go up, it eventually makes mm-hmm. it profitable at some point to go mm-hmm. get that oil that's far away. Mm-hmm. And so that naturally would start to add more supply as the price comes up. Mm-hmm. In the short, near term, there's there's nothing that, that I've been reading, nothing that I think both of you would agree that you've been reading that says gas prices are going down short term. Here in short term, we're saying the next three months. But six months and on, maybe, maybe they do get back down to the $3 per barrel. I don't think especially under the current administration yeah. that we're going to see $2. A yeah. I think unless the current administration has a change of heart and uh, which I unfortunately don't see that happening where they, they're like, you know, you guys are right. We do need to give more uh, leases on land where there's plentiful oil unless they did that and got, and actually did have an impact on significantly increasing the supply to meet the demand or more than meet the demand the the price is not going to come down. Mm-hmm. My my brother works in oil. He he sells pumps for oil rigs, and he has been slammed to the T, just whipping out new orders on oil wells. So the, it's happening yeah. just because people know they can make more money now. But it takes. I mean, you, it's it not an, It's not that. overnight. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So what? So what are some factors that are helping support the economy right now? Right. Some have feared that high prices may cause you know, a direct impact on the market may steer us towards a recession. There are a couple of factors that play into that, but what, uh, 
what are some several factors right now that help us ride this thing out? You know, if prices continue to go up or stay up for an extended period of time. Eli, I think you have some data on just the cash that people have on hand mm-hmm. relative to. Yeah, especially when you're talking about the middle class, having cash reserves could be an economic indicator when gas prices are rising, you're spending a little bit more. So having having safe money is important. And we, we still have a strong cash reserve. The Federal Reserve keeps track of this. You can go and find it. It's public data. And we're still strong. We, we're what we were at right before pre-pandemic levels. And so cash position is strong. That's encouraging. Yeah, and I was actually looking up uh, on Y charts. I was looking up. This, so this is U.S. money market assets, balance sheets of households and nonprofit organizations. So cash that, the, that households and nonprofit organizations have in money market accounts. Um, this comes from the Fed, it's, but it's a chart on watch charts. It's at, that number is actually up 50% from three years ago. Wow. So just goes to show you how much people, you know, this isn't necessarily money they have in their bank account, but in in you know, you know, investment accounts or money market accounts. It's, it's cash reserves or cash that people have on hand. And then I was on Market Watch and it was talking about, you know, just the increase of cash that people have. And it says that between the savings account, personal savings accounts grew by 10% between 2020 and 2021. And so we were touching on this the other day, just kind of internally of how I think it feels like maybe you know, there's a lot of people that don't have any savings, right? Yeah. And that's been tr- always been true and always remains will be true today. Yeah. True today. But I think for people um, in the middle class, they do. Pr- a lot of people do have more cash on hand than they've had. And so, you know, if gas prices stay kind of where they're at, maybe go up a little bit, and it's not this year after year after year thing that just goes on forever. I think we can maybe ride through that yeah. somewhat economically. But if they if they go up big from here or stay high, or stay for, high super for a long, long time, time, then that gets tough because That's we right. can't offset that forever. That's right. Right. So, so ahead. hopefully, uh, you know, I, I think we might have mentioned this on a previous podcast. I can't remember, but you know, some of the people that I talk to, they're you know, it's kind of it's kind of neat living here in Northwest Arkansas because of being in Walmart's world and all the think of you know just the massive amount of retail that is sold uh, every year through Walmart and Walmart can be a really good bell weather and, and forecaster for where the market is going to be going where the economy, I should say is going to be going. Um, so a f- couple of friends of mine that I know at Walmart uh, are telling me that they're forecasting that maybe by f- this fall, that the supply chain issues will be fixed and actually you'll have an oversupply of goods, but we're heading into a period just to warn everybody out there you're probably going to see anywhere from 10 to 15% price increases over the summer. It's coming. It's already in the supply chain. It's already baked into it. There's no avoiding it. Prices are going to be 10 to 15% higher this summer at, you know, grocery stores and basically any consumer good you buy. Yeah. I had a a good friend of mine. We had dinner at their house the other night and he works for a supplier for Walmart. And uh, he said, yeah, that, you know, cargo shipment that used to cost, 1600 bucks to ship from China to the U.S. is now like 10 grand. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, so you see, and that's just one small piece of the supply chain and you start adding it up and then dividing it up across the number of goods. And I mean, prices have to go up. Prices have companies to go up. Yeah. Offset it, so. yeah. And there's nothing that, that can be done about it at this point. It's already baked into the supply chain, as I was saying. So, um, and just to throw on top yeah. of that, trucking <clears throat> companies are really good now at adding surcharges. 
when gas prices are up, well, that's just a surcharge. They do that instantly. Yeah, they pass that mm-hmm. price on to the consumer. So we've got so we've got um, high number of people sitting in cash or larger amounts of cash. So maybe that helps us ride through this in the short term. Unemployment rate, you know, is almost back down to where it was pre-COVID, which yeah. is good. People that are getting back good. to work. You know, it felt like there for a long period of time. And it, now that I think about it, you know, I haven't seen as many now hiring signs. But there for a stretch, you know, going back to late 2020 yeah. all the way through 2021, we talked about it all the time. It was like everybody was hiring and signing bonuses and get, were going up. Yeah, I mean, McDonald's just was having signing yeah, bonuses. Yeah, it's like yeah. people were begging hire. And yeah. Begging to hire people and McDonald's was three hundred dollars signing bonus. The very yeah. next week, it was five hundred dollars signing yeah. bonus. And yeah. um, so, it doesn't seem like that's as crazy right now. And and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I want people to make as much yeah. as they can make for right. whatever job they do. But sounds like that's you know an, an unemployment rate is back down. The average wage has gone up, continues continues to rise. I know we've seen that. We talked about you know Target increases increasing their hourly uh, rate. And you've seen that across the board. So I think there was some catching up to do because yeah. a lot of companies hadn't adjusted for a while. They've kind of played catch up with COVID and used this as an opportunity to do that, um, which is great. But if inflation ticks along here at 7, 8, 9, 10% year after year, then we're going to quickly find ourselves kind of needing to play catch up again in that area, right? So, um, and then we, we just talked about the price increase, you know, in retail and consumer goods. I mean, that's definitely coming. So. I mean, I'd say another another factor that could potentially be supportive of the economy. And we've talked about this in previous podcasts is just the demographics, right? The fact that you've got a rising number, a rising population in the 45 to 55 demographic group and projected to keep rising over the next almost decade because of birth rate trends that began in 1973 and persisted through 1991. Um, Well, since that's the peak spending demographic group, you you should be able to project that consumer spending is going to continue to be somewhat healthy going forward but there's an there's a limit to everything like we've been saying on this podcast i mean if if uh price if gas prices got to say seven dollars a gallon or something like that that's gonna that's gonna hurt the economy especially if it stayed that high for very long at all yeah you always hear uh, you, you hear like the the uh climate climate activists out there talking about like birth rates and it was like oh we've got to be careful we can't have too many kids and too many people but and then i saw you know a couple months ago elon musk comes out he's like actually we need to have as many kids as possible that's right like to keep to to keep our world moving forward and growing you have to like you you do have to have an increasing population you can't all of a sudden have the population just drop off a cliff like that will in Genesis, Armageddon that goes worldwide. back to even to like Genesis chapter, I think it's one where God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. I mean, it's necessary to keep progressing, to keep progressing. Forward, yeah. Yes. To keep society progressing and moving forward. The, the liberals that think that we've got an overpopulation, they're nuts. They're just flat wrong. They're not even close to right. Look at all the uninhabited, unpopulated places throughout the way. They're just, they're just nowhere close to right. Yeah. So any, uh, we're going to wrap up for the sake of time. Any final thoughts, David, Eli? Um, I would say, you know, uh, Warren Buffett says this and, and I would echo him. He says, you know, don't ever bet against the United States because we've got a system of laws and a constitutional 
government and a capitalistic economy if lord willing we can keep all those things <clears throat> um, and that system of laws and government and capitalism is what keeps america as what kept america for 200 plus years now moving forward and continuing to progress and continuing to grow so i would echo him on that i believe that uh there's a lot of wisdom in the American uh, electorate for the most part. I do think that America does need to kind of, um, you know, kind of refine her morals and values and kind of a moral compass and a, a true north, if you will, when it comes to her morals and values, because the, the founding fathers, I can't remember which one said, you know, the constitutional system of government that we've been given is designed for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. But having said all that, if, if you believe that, you know, the American electorate kind of keeps the pendulum from swinging too far to from one ex, to, uh, one extreme to the other, kind of keeps centered because we have elections every two years, you know. That in itself tends to be kind of a stabilizing factor. So as long as we can continue to have legitimate elections, a capitalistic economy, a constitutional government uh, <clears throat> administered with by a government that is of, by, and for the people and a moral and religious people, then... I, if all that continues to be true, I know that's a mouthful, um, then, yeah, I would agree with Warren Buffett. Don't bet against the United States. Yeah, absolutely. And a good a good reminder, too, I actually mentioned this in our video update the other day. Just making this why you have an emergency fund. That's right. Right? When you lose your job, when prices go sky high, like that's why you keep an emergency fund, keep some cash on hand, just because it allows you to keep everything else, keep your financial plan and investments in position in place without having to, you know, make any quick short-term decisions, and you've got cash on hand to kind of ride through those waves. On top of that, now would be a good time to revisit your budget. If, if we're not expecting gas prices to go down, it may be time to dial back on certain other things that are maybe luxuries. All right, so good, good conversation today, gas prices. Let's cross our fingers and pray that they don't, they don't go too much further, go too high from here. We don't want to be recording this in a month with Eli having filled up at like $140 a tank. But um, <laughs> as always, we want to end with a thought of the day. David, I think you've got it for us yeah. today. Yeah. So, you know, what we've been seeing here, what we've talked about today is uh, rising gas prices and inflation and uh, instability and global geopolitics, if you will. Uh, it's very similar, actually, to what we saw back at the end of the Carter era, where we had uh, back then it was the Iranian regime uh, that was uh, the bad actor on the world stage. You, many of you listening may remember the whole Iranian hostage situation. You had weak leadership here at home and uh, represented by the Carter administration. Um, and you had high inflation back then and you had high gas prices and gas shortages. And so, you know, it's 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 interesting to see the types of parallels uh, today that we saw back then. So the th with that note, the, uh, the thought of today is a quote by Will Rogers, where he says, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. <laughs> I think that's really good. Yeah, I think that's a good yeah. one today for today. So as always, we appreciate everybody listening. Um, if you haven't liked or subscribed to our podcast, please go do that. Check us out. Check out our website, our YouTube page, social media. Um, and we look forward to you guys joining us next week on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Thank you. 
Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mock-1financial.com disclosures.